Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So last week, Apple launched App Store search ads, finally, after we, we first heard about them in June. Now they are launched, they are running, and uh, you can buy them. And we have, and we like to share our experience with that. And I think we've had, I've had a lot of questions from developers about just what some of the terms mean with what you're buying, the reporting that you get from the App Store search ad system. Um, so I, th- I thought first we'd go over a quick introduction to the basic terminology of buying and selling ads on the internet. Uh, and this will lead into specifics about the App Store uh, search ads. So first, you know, I, I wanted to, to first go over some very basic stuff. So what is, you know, things like impressions, taps, conversions. So very, very basically here, I'll try to go through this relatively quickly. An impression is just how often an ad is shown. Uh, it's one showing of an ad to one person, uh, a click or a tap, that's obvious. And then a conversion is when somebody who has clicked on or tapped on that ad then does what the advertiser wanted. So usually it's buying something in a store or it's like creating, signing up for a new account on a site or a service, um, or in the case of search ads uh, for apps, installing the app. So that is the conversion is, you know, um, and ads are priced in different ways. One of the most common kind of the baseline is CPM, which stands for cost per mile, which is the French word for a thousand, which I'm probably mispronouncing. Uh, basically cost per thousand impressions. So co- how much you pay per thousand people who see the ad. Uh, the CPM model strongly favors publishers generally uh, in like where it places the risk. If, if I'm showing the ad and somebody sees it, but they decide not to click on it or they decide not to go through and buy it, who bears that cost of somebody seeing the ad, but just the ad not working? With CPM, the publisher gets paid regardless of whether the ad has, has you know worked. It does, however, have some weird incentives. Uh, it incentivizes the publishers to put as many ads on screen as, as possible. That's why you have pages that are absolutely full of ads. Um, there's also kind of no guarantee that that people are actually really seeing it like it's showing somewhere and there's kind of no relation between uh, what the advertiser is paying and how interested the viewers are in the ad or whether they even saw it. So, of course, this also creates high fraud potential. You can kind of set up like big farms and and things to generate fake impressions or impressions that are just from bots or from things that will never lead to anything. So then there's kind of this middle ground uh, cost per click or tap. CPC advertising is kind of in the middle. Um, It kind of splits the risk between publishers and advertisers. You know, the publisher is paid when they deliver interest to the ad. They're paid when somebody clicks on the ad. But then it's kind of up to the advertiser to turn that click into a sale if they if they can. With this, there is still fraud potential that's that's fairly fairly significant. Um, you know, it, it kind of incentivizes publishers to place ads where they're going to be accidentally clicked. Um, there's, there's not a very high cost to generate fake clicks through bots and farms and stuff. And then the third kind of ad payment is CPA. This is cost per action or acquisition, and that's kind of translated as cost per sale, basically, or cost per conversion. This strongly favors the advertiser in the relationship. Uh, this kind of places all the risk of whether the ad will work or not on the publishers. You know, the publishers are not going to get paid unless somebody actually not only clicks on the ad, but goes and downloads the app or creates an account or makes a sale. There is very low potential for publisher fraud here. 
Uh, I mean, you could theoretically, like, and I'm sure people do, create farms of people to go buy things with stolen credit cards or to go install apps on fake accounts or on fake devices. But this is a lot more involved than just like you know basic click fraud or impression fraud. If you are if you are buying the ad as an advertiser, you generally want this last method CPA because you're only paying if somebody actually buys your app or creates an account on your site or whatever else, and you know makes a sale on your site. That's ideal for you as the advertiser because, first of all, it'll be easier to figure out what to pay because you, you'll know what you'll make. And it also just kind of, you don't really take any risk there. You know, the risk of a thousand people clicking on your ad and then none of them buying anything, you're not bearing that risk because you're not paying for people who don't buy anything, right? So as a buyer of ads, you want CPA. As a seller of ads, whether you're you know running a website or running a storefront that has search ads in it, or if you're running a podcast, podcasts work this way too. As a seller of ads, you want CPM because you want to be like, well, I delivered a bunch of people who who were exposed to your ad. The rest is up to you. So CPC, the cost per click or tap, is kind of the compromise. Nobody really loves it. There are still problems with it, but it is probably the most pragmatic compromise between them in most cases. Uh, And then there are just a few little terms you might see around that are useful to know here. eCPM, which stands for effective CPM, is when you are paying per click or per action, you you basically just divide it out by the number of impressions. So it it tells you roughly what you are earning per thousand page views or impressions or whatever, or what you're paying uh, per thousand page views impressions, even if you're not paying per impression technically you'll see on apple's reports for this you'll see terms like ctr or ttr this is uh click-through rate or tap-through rate uh ttr is one of the last columns in the search ads you will see it if you do this that stands for tap-through rate which is the percentage of impressions of the ad that result in taps on the ad and then cr at the very end of apple's report cr stands for conversion rate so this is the percentage of clicks on the ad that result in installations of the app or sales or whatever else that's it for the basics do you have anything to add for that no i mean i think the important thing though to keep in mind with all of this stuff is that like this type of advertising is usually it's this like it's basically a numbers game where you, the purpose of the advertising is to drive people to do something that the advertiser wants and the way you do that is, you know, you, you have these, diver- I think they call it a funnel is the fancy term for it. So if you ever see like a sales funnel or something, that's where it's coming from. But it's, it starts off where you cast this very wide net, um, which is where you start to get into the impressions side of thing. It's like you just say you throw something out to thousands of people and then a certain subset of those will pay attention to that. And a smaller subset of that of them will take some action as a result of that. And then perhaps an even smaller set will actually do the the final thing, whatever that is. That's download the app in this case. Um, and so all of the terms and things are all about trying to understand that ter- that process. And in many ways, it's just a, a numbers game uh, at a certain point that obviously each person who's deciding whether or not to click on an ad is making a choice. And obviously, but from a you know, the holistic perspective, there are far too many people making far too many choices for that to be something you could really think about. And that's why you tend to roll it all up into these, you know, you, you don't think about a impression, you think about thousands of impressions, um, gives you a sense of the kind of scale that this process tends to work in. And that's why I think advertising is so numbers based is just, you know, it, it's not really it's it's not that same thing of a sales thing where you're making a, you know, making a cold call, um, to a person and trying to have a direct interaction. You, know, you are just blasting out 
ads to all kinds of different people in the hopes that a small, you know, a, a small subset of those people will find what you're doing interesting. And that's why it's so data driven. And as best I can tell, like that's most of advertising is it's this kind of dialing things around to try and hit the point where you're making money, but not losing money. Um, or getting the, you know, if you have a target for the number of acquisitions you have, you can work out, well, how many impressions do I need to generate that amount of interest? And it's all kind of just, you know, multiplying and dividing with these kind of numbers. All right. So moving on to specifics about the Apple search ads. First of all, it's important to understand how the pricing works. Um, this is, it's priced in a, in a way that's uh, known as a Vickery auction or a second price auction. This is exactly the same way that Google AdWords works as far as I know, or, or at least, you know, in the ballpark. Um, and it's also, if you've ever bought anything on eBay, it is very similar to how standard eBay auctions work. Basically, the highest bidder for a certain keyword or whatever, the highest bidder for that keyword wins and, and gets their ad shown and pays. But they only pay the amount of the second highest bidder on that ad. So you basically bid what's the most you're willing to pay for this keyword. And so if you bid 50 cents and someone else bid 25 cents, you will win the auction, but you'll only pay 25 cents or some incremental thing over it, like 26 cents or you know whatever it is. This actually is very favorable to the to the buyer, to the advertiser, because you only pay just enough to win the auction, but no more than that. So anything else that's between that and your bid, you just get to keep that money. That, that's your surplus. There are some big limitations in the Apple search ads that other advertiser systems don't necessarily have or don't usually have. Uh, one of the biggest ones is that you don't have a lot of control over the look and content of the ad itself. Uh, the ad is kind of this, these fixed format things that Apple has. It has your app's title. It has your app store description. Does it, does it have star ratings? I think it does, right? In the example when it does, uh, on the in the search portal, it shows the rating. But I've seen some in the app store that don't and some that do. So... I don't know if it includes it or if it only includes it and if it has a certain number of ratings or if there's something more going on there, but it may or may not include your star rating. <laughs> right. So it's basically, it's, it basically is like a, a tiny version of your app store entry, of your search entry. So title, like the first line of the description, sometimes screenshots, sometimes star ratings. Um, and one of the problems with this is that you as the, as the advertiser, you don't really have a good way to A/B test anything. So, like, if you wanted, to, if you want to A/B test two different description lines there and see like which one generates more tap throughs or, or more clicks or more sales, the only way that you can really do that is to just change your description every so often. But then, like, you can't test those at the same time with the same impression. So it's 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 a less scientific test. It makes it harder to to know what is an effective description or what are effective screenshots to show there or whatever else uh you know again you can test them just by changing them but then that changes them everywhere and you can only do that within a certain you know time uh granularity so it's not a great test yeah and i think it's also probably a good point to point out there that what you're doing the what you're showing is the same thing that you'll show on your app store page um, and so you could potentially imagine wanting your ads to be geared towards a particular demographic or type of customer that is more specific than your generalized uh, app store page, um, which is something that we can't do. And, you know, so you could imagine you're having a, an ad that you were running on a website that's geared towards a very, you know, a fan of a very particular thing or a particular style. Um, you're just try different colors, see what people like. Um, but whereas what we have here is just whatever 
you kind of have to, you're doing for your general purpose app store description is the same thing that'll be shown here. Um, and so that's, you know, it, it's nice in that it's less, there's less work for us to do, I suppose. That yeah, that just, actually it, is really nice. Like there's, I didn't have to come up with a creative for this. I think it's the fancy, if you ever you know, are in marketing and they call it like, get me your creative, the creative I believe <laughs> is like the, the picture or the text or whatever it is that you want to put in the ad but yeah we have nothing to do with that it's just you know in many ways apple is making it appear you know it looks just like a regular search result and so just whatever you put in there is what's going to show up and so your appeal you have to make sure that you're appealing you know it, it's it's appealing both as a search ad as well as appealing as a search page that ultimately they're going to go to and look at in the app store which is probably good practice anyway sure all right, we are sponsored this week. Speaking of ads, <laughs> we are sponsored this week by Linode. Go to linode.com slash radar to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 promotional credit with code RADAR20 at checkout. Now, Linode is a combination of high-performance SSD Linux servers spread across eight data centers around the world for a fantastic solution to host your server infrastructure. You can get a server up and running in just under a minute with plans starting at $10 a month. That now gets you 2 gigs of RAM for 10 bucks a month. And you're able to choose your resource level, your Linux distribution, and your node's location right from their awesome web manager portal. And once you're up and running, you can easily deploy, boot, and even resize your virtual server with just a few clicks. Now, these servers offer industry-leading native SSD storage. These are enterprise-grade SSDs. They perform crazy good. These have powerful Intel Xeon E5 processors. These are the fastest you can get in the cloud market. And Linode offers access to a 40 gigabit network with multiple levels of redundancy. Linode's API also exists. This allows you to easily automate tasks like creating or resizing nodes or develop custom applications in the cloud. And all of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing and monthly caps. So you can pay flat per month, but if you only use them for a certain amount of hours... That's all you'll pay for. And you, don't, you never have to worry about your hourly rate going past the monthly rate because once you reach the monthly rate, it just caps it there and you just pay whatever the monthly rate is. Uh, this is on all plans and all add-on services, including their wonderful backups and their node balancers, which is like their fancy load balancer that I use and I love it quite a bit. Uh, anyway, as a listener to this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash radar, you'll not only be supporting us, but you also get $20 towards any Linode plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash radar to learn more sign up and take advantage of that twenty dollar credit or use promo code radar 20 at checkout thank you so much to linode for supporting this show all right so now that we've discussed kind of you know ad basics and a few things that make the app store ads a little bit different um, let's talk about the actual process of buying app store ads for your app uh, the, the first obvious question here is how do you know what you can pay per tap so so app store ads are billed per tap as we mentioned earlier the diff- different methods um how much you can pay per tap of course depends on a lot of things what is your app cost or how do you make money what is the average amount of money that you make per new user and and of course then like you know how how do you translate between the number of taps on your app store page or your ad and how many people actually install the app and make you money um, so this is obviously easiest for paid apps, paid upfront apps, where you know that every installation of the app will get you X amount of money. Uh, don't forget Apple's commission, but <laughs> you know they'll get you, that'll get you X amount of money. Um, and then you just have to then figure out 
how many views on my app store page does it usually take to make one sale? And this is very easy to find in iTunes Connect Analytics. Uh, there's there's a bunch of uh, ways to do this, and people have found out uh, in the various graphs and stuff, so we'll link to that in the show notes. There's a good blog post about it. Um, basically, paid apps is fairly easy. If your app is not paid up front, you have to figure out basically what is the average amount of money you stand to make from somebody who installs your app. And that is not necessarily straightforward, depending on how you make your money. Uh, it, it is certainly doable, and you probably have better ways to do it than I do, don't you? Sure. I mean, this is probably one of the harder things that I've been trying to work through recently is the under is especially for a lot of my apps that make their make their money from advertising. In, so it's it's this big video, this, this big fantastic circle of advertising. I use advertising <laughs> to get it, to get someone to download the app, to show them ads, to give me money so that I can buy more ads. And, you know, the, the cycle continues. Um, but for them, it's much more complicated because, yes, there's no upfront one time purchase. It's, you know, that person who, you know, so I'm paying for a tap. A certain number of people uh, who tap will then install the app. They will then use the app at a particular, for a particular number of, you know, amount of time, which is, if you're looking in your analytics, you're looking for something called retention, which is showing you, you know, roughly how, what percentage of users will continue to use your app after a particular amount of time. You know, so if you had, say, a 30% retention after 30 days, that means 30 days after someone downloads it, there's a good chance that they're continuing to use it. Um, so you can kind of get a sense of how often they'll use it. Then you have to work out how many sessions they typically do per day. Um, how Of those sessions, how many impressions you're showing on your ad network. And then you work out back from there how much revenue you get per impression and so on. And so you, it's much more inaccurate. And you know, I've been trying as best I could over the last you know, a couple of weeks as, as search ads became a thing to try and really get a good number for my apps. But at this point, I just kind of have a vague estimate of like it costs, I get maybe this much per user. And I'm just kind of basing my advertising on that. Because I think it's, it's also probably worth pointing out is, while it's the most straightforward way to price this is just in the sense of, you know, if I pay a penny less than I make from that user for the ad, then I'm making money. But you could also just view it as a marketing expense that a certain kinds of marketing, you're just trying to get people interested in your application and exposed to it. And kind of, it's more, I guess, what you'd call brand advertising, um, that you're, you're, I'm left where you, we can worry less about it. And, you know, and certainly some of my experience early on, that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm just kind of curious to see how, you know, what it costs to get users, um, and thinking in some ways that, you know, having my app in more people's hands, will have a bigger impact down the road um, than, than not. And it may not necessarily match up one-to-one in terms of, you know, I paid 25 cents, I made 26 cents, so I'm good. It may be that I'm pay- overpaying by, you know, 10 cents a, a user, which isn't sustainable necessarily in a direct sense. Um, but it may be if that those extra downloads are broadly make, you know, helping your app um, you know, from an exposure perspective. So it's definitely a really tricky thing to work through, but, you know, you just kind of have to sit down in your analytics, whether that's, you know, something like Fabric that you're using, which is what I use and I think what you use, is, mm-hmm. or iTunes Connect Analytics can do a lot of this for you as well. And you just kind of have to sit and, you know, take the numbers, put it into Excel, and, you know, do some crunching to see what makes sense for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, another thing to think about is, like, how what percentage of your new users come through clicking ads? Because like you know, it, it, if 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 you're thinking that like you make twenty five cents per user, but you know 
10% of your users come from clicking ads and the rest come from other ways, then like you actually might be able to bid a lot more than what that is to get those users. You know, And again, it depends on like, what are your priorities? Are your priorities to get more users to spread it wider and then you know to maybe reap the rewards of that down the road with just a wider bigger user base and word of mouth marketing uh like there or you know or do you really need to care about like absolutely minimizing cost of acquiring these users to begin with and there's every app will be different in this way what you know your needs your, your priorities these will all be different um and it really depends a lot on your app and how much you stand to make per user really um and this is actually one thing that, that i think this is actually helpful in this new environment because I, I think this will make people think about their business models a little bit more and maybe charge more money and charge higher prices for apps that really that 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 can earn it that that, that deserve the, the higher prices. So I think this actually might help raise app store prices as people figure out. You know, it'd be really a lot better if I could bid on these keywords and, and be a little more competitive on, on on the ad side. But in order to do that, I have to charge a real price for my app or I have to have some kind of recurring revenue scheme or something like that. So ultimately, I think this might actually help app pricing uh, substantially. Yeah, or at the very least, it'll help. I think it's, it's, it's definitely been a constructive exercise for myself to have to try and put a dollar amount on each user. Yeah. Um, which I, for someone who loves numbers as much as I do is something that I've never really done. Um, and so it's definitely been a, a constructive thing to if, if forcing you to think down, sit down and actually be like, okay, what is a customer worth to me? Um, and to put that into a number, because even beyond advertising, that's a very useful and important thing, I think, to understand. Because um, even when you're thinking about things like customer support um, or things like you know, uh, other uh, support expenses or server hosting or things where you, if you can put your a number on what a user is worth, uh, monetarily to you then you can probably make more informed decisions about the other things that are involved and you know that are costs for running an app yeah all right and then i figured we spent our last few minutes talking about keywords you know what keywords do you bid on how you know what do you buy what what do you bid against um apple's apple's implementation here is a little bit restrictive in that uh they, they even mentioned this during the during the uh the introduction of this that if apple does not deem the keywords that are being searched for relevant to your app and that's relevant by whatever internal standards they're using that's kind of a black box to us but basically if apple does not deem keywords relevant to your app your ad will not be shown against those keywords no matter what you're willing to bid on it um which is interesting um for example, like one of the things I decided to bid on in Overcast's ad campaign was some terms related to the word radio, uh, because podcasts are kind of like listening to the radio. And so I want to kind of get those people too. Um, and all of those, if you look at the reports, those all have zero impressions. And so it seems obvious that Apple does not deem the word radio relevant to my app. And so even if I'm willing to pay, that's I, I can't get those keywords. Um, and this, you know, so this is this is actually. This is probably a good thing. So like, what it means is like, I couldn't bid against something like Twitter or Instagram for Overcast to try to you know, cash in on big search terms that aren't actually relevant to my app at all. But also that means that all of us small indie developers, we can't all be outbid in every single category by things like Clash of Clans and like casinos, like apps that make tons of money per user to the point where they're willing to spend whatever whatever it takes to even get users who are searching for podcast apps because they don't care. It's it's a user is a user to them and they, they make so much money they can do that. So this basically makes that impossible. Um, and it kind of it kind of gives people uh, a more fair chance of their ads being shown in categories that are not that hotly contested for things like, you know, high 
high profit games. If you actually make a game, well, that might be harder. <laughs> but I'm um, sorry about that. Uh, I don't know anything. Everything's harder market. for you anyway, though. That's actually yes. That is that is generally true. Your your upside is is generally higher, but it's harder to get it. Uh, anyway. There's also this big question about whether to bid on your competitors' app names. And, and we've had some discussions on Twitter here and there about this. But I, my, my position on whether to bid on competitors' names is, yes, you should do it, and that's just part of the game. And your competitors are going to bid on your name, too, and that's just part of the system. And that in general, not only sh- should this be considered like you know a necessary side of this, but I wouldn't even call it like a necessary evil. I'd call it just a feature of the system because you know you're thinking you know if if you're offended by the idea of competitors bidding on you, you're probably thinking of bigger competitors bidding on your app's name. But if you think about it the other way, you can bid on bigger apps' names, and that is more powerful because then you think like you know like one of the biggest podcast apps out there is Stitcher, right? And and I'm I bid on Stitcher's name. And I've gotten click-throughs and installs based on that. Because I, it, even if somebody's not searching for Overcast, it's relevant. It's, it's a perfectly valid alternative. Uh, in my opinion, it's a lot better alternative, obviously. Um, and so I can get users that are searching for my competitors' apps who are bigger than me. And that is, that is a very kind of freeing opportunity that I have. It, it, like that, that's a good opportunity to take advantage of. So if you think about it in that direction, I think it makes a lot of sense why they allow that. And that's that's just part of that. Like all advertising, kind of works that way. That's I think that's part of the game, and I think that's fair game. And if if you decide that you don't find that ethical, that's fine. You don't have to do it. Uh, but but I think I think standard practice is going to be almost everyone's going to do that. So if you don't do it, you're probably going to miss out on a, some on some pretty good uh, sales opportunities there. Sure. I mean, it's also probably worth saying that the way Apple's system works. Um, and this is actually to your point about relevancy. If you're curious what Apple thinks is relevant to your application, um, the easiest way to do it once you have been running a campaign for a little while is to just go into the, the sort of, if you tap down a little bit into your campaign, you'll get the breakdown of where what your impressions are by keyword. Um, and many of those keywords won't be things that you put in. They'll just be terms that Apple thinks are relevant. And so at a high level, I like I'm in my mind, if it's on one of those, if it's in that list that um, Apple is doing their automatic matching with, then that's probably roughly the universe of what Apple thinks is relevant uh, to me. So if you're kind of curious what that relevancy is, and in, uh, the reality is in that list with me putting nothing into it, I'm seeing the names of my competitors apps <laughs> because Apple knows that they're very relevant. Like the, in many ways, the most relevant results are when someone is very specifically looking for an application that is very similar to yours. Um, and I think, like you said, it, it's just that is just the nature of the app store is that it's very competitive. It's very um, when it's, cutthroat's the wrong word, but like that's the reality is that we're, we're you know we're competing for a very limited number of um, of users' attention. And so, if it's, it's like not doing it. Like not then just like don't buy ads and don't go down sort of into this road because the nature of what we're doing here is we're just paying money to get at, you know to pull the attention away from something else because whatever was going to be the organic first hit there um, you know is is what we are now pulling money away from by buying it and that's maybe kind of weird but that's the reality that's the system that Apple is building and if this is the marketplace in which we want to work and operate then I think taking full advantage of that as best we can is sort of the responsible, appropriate thing for us to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and I, I would say, like, the, the biggest takeaway I have 
is, you know, you might have some idea of what you can pay, what things will cost, how effective ads will be, but nothing beats actually trying it. And Apple made it this really easy on us because they sent everybody a $100 promo credit. And I don't know if all new accounts will get that or if only the existing dev accounts got it last week. Um, but the $100 promo credit is awesome because you can you just get $100 worth of free advertising and that can be your cap and that can be it. So you can literally get free ads and then learn the data from those ads. You can learn what keywords are working. You can learn what your average cost per tap or your average cost per installation ends up being. And that can further inform what you do. If you don't get the free promo credit or if you want to go past that you can actually learn a lot with not that much money relatively speaking to the cost of computers and developer accounts and developing apps and stuff like if you want to put in 50 bucks 100 bucks that seems like a lot of money to a lot of people but if you put that in there you will get so much data out and you will find out like really what these things are what these things do for you what they cost and that's true of all advertising like nothing beats just trying it and a lot of times, like you know, a lot of times you won't learn. You, you, you can theorize as much as you want. You can you can run theoretical numbers, but you have to just try it. And sometimes it doesn't work out, and that's kind of the risk you take by trying it. But usually, it, it ends if if you can make enough money per user of your app to to cover what these things tend to cost. And like 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 my my cost per tap is in like the 20 cent range right now and it's going down as as everyone's promo credits run out um so to give you some idea of like what you might be what you might be spending here um you know if you can figure out how to make that work for your app uh just try it and and just and see what it does for you this is now just part of the part of the reality of working in the app store and so you got to try it put some money into it and understand that sometimes it's like i put money into advertising and it kind of feels like i'm just throwing money away and in some ways, maybe that's the case if I'm not doing it right. But the reality is just the cost of doing business. And you owe it to yourself if you take your business seriously to at least try it, I think, and understand it rather than just discounting it uh, out, sort of out of hand. Exactly. All right. Well, we're out of time this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.